Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Breeding the Honeybee. I'm Brent Nixon and today I'm going to be speaking with Laurie Cowan. Laurie's from Tasmania, Australia and he does a lot of work mentoring people in beekeeping. He works with the Tasmanian Junior Beekeepers Club, with Sisters Hives Australia and he also produces nucleus colonies and queens. Really looking forward to chatting with him today. How are you doing today, Laurie? Not too bad. Oh, that's oh, I've good. Got, I've got COVID, but... <laughs> I don't know where I'm going to go because I'm coughing a bit. Oh, really? So, you feeling okay? Oh, yeah. yeah. Get, I'm glad you're getting through it. The wife, she, she's had it and she's got over it. And now, I've had it for a few days. Okay. Well, that's not very nice of me. I'm interviewing you on a day you're not feeling too well. Sorry about that. <laughs> ah, well, one of them things, isn't it? Mm. So, um, you're really into queens down there in Tassie, is that right? Uh, we're not doing as much now as what what we was. We're sort of coming to the end of it, really. But uh, we've been we've been breeding queens pretty near ever since we sold our honey business. We kept a few hives. Um, we've been doing, uh, you know, we took on teaching uh, me and a few a few of the others teaching beekeeping. We run courses here for a few years and. We've always had the field day here. Uh, when we had the, when we had a lot of the hives, we had about 360 hives, and we sort of uh, used this here for the field day for about 14 years. Because uh, we're just out of uh, we're out of Cambridge, that's not far from Hobart, and we've got a it's a good central place where we got our honey house, and uh, uh, and it was good, you know, good for parking. A lot of people used to come here. We, we had up. 200 people here, like beekeepers, one one year here. Oh, wow. Yeah, so... So... And now... Hey, go on. Oh, so you you were pro- predominantly doing honey early on, and now you're sort of more doing queens. Yeah, we don't, we're not actually doing... We don't actually do the queens. We do the cells, and uh, we make up little nukes, like little small little hives to start people off. We started. We started doing that because once we run the courses, we we did. Uh, uh, you know, there'd probably be twenty five in a in a course, and what, and we got back to the, the people who had done the course. They would, you know, they'd say to us, "Well, we've done the course, but we can't get any bees." You know, we've still got two years. Some of them still didn't have a hive of bees, so that's when we decided to make these little nukes and. I went into breeding and making up little boxes, and then they would buy a little little box, and the money would go to the association, Southern Branch, anyway. So, and that's what we started. We sort of started doing that, and uh, it sort of uh, snowballed onto that, and we got more and more all the time. Then we started selling a few till we uh, until we sort of got so, you know, you guys, you get sick or something, don't you? We've been doing it for a few years, so mm-hmm. now we, we we just got. We've got a few hives now that we're just gradually, gradually sort of getting out of it now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so what you're saying is, if people ask really nicely, they can still get them. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's some someone who just wants, to, you know, uh, 
will do a few queen cells, and it, if they've got a hive, they can take the little nuke so many frames of bees off, and they can get the cell from us, and then they will put the cell into their little nuke, and then when it hatches, it takes over, makes a little hive up, and they just build, you know, add to it all the time until it becomes a nice hive. Hmm. Um, so I've been told that when you sell your um, queen cells, you, you put them inside a bit of conduit and uh, people take them home. Yeah, yeah. Just, mm. a, just a small amount. That's, the idea of the conduit is you put it, it's, it's like a cell protector. You, you put the cell into this little conduit and, and when you put it into the, the nuke, it's sort of protected and, and the bees... If they don't like accepting it, they can't sort of chew the side out because that's if they're going to destroy a queen cell, they always do it on the side of the cell, mm-hmm. but not not at the end. So when you put them in these little tubes, if they go up and the, and the bees will go up into the into the tube and they can sort of if they do start chewing it, they only sort of come to the head of the queen because her head hangs down, and she can sort of protect herself. Mm-hmm. So it's it's uh, it just happens now and again, but it's just an, another way of protecting your queen when you put it in because there's a lot there's a fair bit of work in you know breeding them, so you don't want to lose too many. Mm. So what's your advice to people if they are coming to pick up a queen cell? What's your advice for transporting that back to their their house? Uh, pretty near. They've got a they've got to be sort of. Uh, know I've got to know when they want it because when they pick it up that the day or two before they've got to make up this little nuke and take it take it out of the hive and then so be, make sure there's no queen, old queen in it and they make this little nuke up and they'll take it away from the hive and then that's so that the bees don't flow back to the hive so you so then they'll settle down and then with no coin, then well, that little nuke realises then there's no coin, so that's when they put the cell in, and then that cell will hatch out and take over that little nuke. That's and that starts off another little hive. Hmm. And do you find that um, when they're transporting it, that there's any issues with them um, getting a bit chilly or getting a bit too cold? Uh not not really, because uh, most most of them sort of done the bee bee courses. Uh, most of the ones that we've sort of get them off us and, and the other ones are sort of blokes and people that come back pretty near every year and get a few like that, you know, they might get six, they might get a dozen and they sort of know and they bring along a little uh, a little sort of esky thing with a bit, something in the bottom of it They some of them use a bit of uh, a bag of rice and put it in the microwave and warm it up, you know, so when they get here or or just something that's going to keep it nice and warm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and that just keeps it warm enough. But they're pretty. Uh, queen cells are pretty hardy. You know, they'll they'll last a while as long as they don't get too cold. Yeah. So that really really overheating them is worse than uh, you know worse than getting a little bit cold. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. So, what strain of bees um, are you using down there? Uh, Italians. Just we okay. Italians. We we get. We're gonna. We've got a breeder queen. We we've always used breeder queens from Joe Horner. He's mm-hmm. he's in New South New South Wales, and um, most of the most of the queen breeders down here mostly get uh, queens. A breeder queen. It's like getting a like a purebred bull. We get we buy a purebred queen just to take the 
you know, to take the grubs from, to breed from. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, so we got a, we know we got a good strain, and, and they're very, they're very quiet. You know, that's that's what we go for. They're good honey producers, and they're very quiet and good to handle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the main reason why we sort of did stick to uh, something nice and quiet because once once we started this. Uh, uh, breeding for new beekeepers, you know, doing the course in it, because uh, knowing that the, you know, they, some of them's a little bit scared of bees and sort of didn't want to sort of get them into something that was nasty, and uh, it, it sort of went on from that. And we've always bred nice. We've always had uh, information back, you know. You know, my my queens of and bees are so quiet. You can some of them say, "Oh, you can work them without any gear on," but you always, I always advise them to sort of. Uh, you always wear something over your head because you need to, you know, you don't want to get stung in the face or your eyes or something like that. So you you, you need to sort of always wear your gear. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um. No. Then, Joe Horner's queens, they are very good. He he's a very nice man, actually. Hey, Joe Horner. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's 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 very good. You know, he definitely knows. He knows what he's talking about, and he he has some beautiful coins. Good strain, you know. They're good to work. Because uh, with with the one one lot of uh, girl that done the done the breeding, she went on. And went on to she set up a junior beekeeping for kids, young kids, and um, so she asked me to make her some up, and we we did three hives to start them off, and they all commented, you know, the kids, none of the kids only got stung the bees. You could go through the hives and you could pull the frames out, you know, and the and the bees would just be sort of crawling around over the hives. They wouldn't sort of fly around like like aggressive bees, you know. They would attack your veil and bombard you or that that sort of thing you don't want with little children sort of learning that scares them a bit so we that was, was all very happy with the you know these coins that i uh, coins that i put in their little nukes for them mm-hmm. yeah and i was going to ask you about um working up there at the tasmanian junior bee, uh, beekeeping club um it's a really great thing they've got going on there isn't it ah yeah it is there's that many that little many children that you know it's a it's a real it's fantastic to sort of just you know i've been there and just what what's their faces and anita she anita she, she's so good with children you know they, if you watch their faces they don't they don't take their eyes off you know she's talking they, you can see the interest that they've really got you know what she's teaching them yeah so um yeah we, we've just been helping out a little bit a little bit like that and few days uh, go there when they have days making frames and boxes and putting things together and talking to them about different things and uh, uh, it's, a, it's a really good thing now they've got the other one they've got the sisters hives have you heard of that one they've got um yeah yeah i've seen um i like both of those pages on facebook and i've seen that you've been doing some good work with both of those um those groups the sisters hives australia and the tasmanian junior beekeeping club yeah, yeah, that that has really really taken off, and because when, when I often thought about uh, something like that would have been good, but uh, Jenny McLeod sort of got got going, got it together. Because when we did the courses, there was more women doing the courses and more interested than than what there was men had come along. So 
you could see there was there was an opening there for women that just something that they wanted to do. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, and I think it's really great. Again, with the uh, Tasmanian Junior Beekeeping Club, they've got their own premises now, which is which is fantastic for them. Yeah. Um, Some place they can work out of. Yeah. That's, and uh, it's it's going really good. Yeah, that's that's a big advantage for them. They're not not sort of getting around trying to, have to you know, get in different places and all that sort of thing. The la- the last one we had here two I oh, met two or three weeks ago was out at the out of the men's shed out at uh, Claremont. They got a big shed there that was putting boxes together and frames and the, the, there's a good roll up there of uh, all the sister beekeepers and uh, it's so good you, it's good it's good to sort of teach trying to teach someone you know and some of them don't know how to drive a nail in and then other uh, others are so good you know they think gee they're a carpenter you know they can put nails straight in really good so there's a lot a lot involved in it so. You know, if they learn the right way, they get off to a right start. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so when it comes to queen breeding, um, what advice would you have for grafting or um, building up the queen cells? Uh, well, it's, it's, it's really a, anyone can breed, pretty near anyone can sort of breed queen cells, but to breed good Good coins is a fair art in it because you got, you know, you got to start off from from scratch and you've got to have the right sort of hive that's going to build a good queen cells. You know, uh, strong, plenty of um, plenty of pollen, and then, that, and then they've got to be fed pretty well, fed right through the five days that they're feeding before they seal them off. So it's it's something you need to sort of uh, go into a bit and. Go with someone that sort of uh, that's done it before and, and show you and do do a lot of reading reading up on on you know the professional ways and because if if you get a coin like if someone who gets a coin and does it and it's not fed properly it's, it'll be a sort of inferior coin and once once they're in the hive for a while it's not long that the bees realise that she's not laying properly she's not laying enough eggs. So then they'll supersede her, and they will they will make their own queen. So you lose the queen, you brood. So you you really you really need to put a lot of work into sort of get to get good queens. Right. And so with the nutrition um, that you just mentioned there, what would be your advice for making sure that she's well fed? Uh, you know you. You need to sort of don't start breeding in an in an area where there's no pollen. So if we don't, we don't start here until it's it's sort of in sept, September, getting through the middle of September or even later than that. If if the bees if you if you're looking at your hives and the bees are working good and then they're carting a lot of pollen in uh, a lot not just pollen a lot of different types of colour of pollen so that you know there's a lot of different nutritional stuff in different some pollens don't have a lot but others have real good pollen uh you can you can feed pollen to them but we've never had to do that because we've sort of our bees here where we are here that's that's time of the year it's springtime there's everything sort of flowering and there's so many different pollens coming in so we we just sort of rely on the pollen that's coming in uh and 
squeezing your bees down tight to you, to, you know, making your making your bees sort of crowded and and uh, and so many bees in that that creates them to sort of want to make queen cells. So it's a, little, a lot of little knacks knacks in it you learn as you're going, which you know you can in, improve on, and, and you're list, listening to other people and. We've, you know, we've done. I started off done a queen breeding course in Launceston, when uh, Dr. Doug Somerville came over from New South Wales, and he ran a course up there, and that sort of started me, me off. And and uh, 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 a few, uh, there's a fair few have done the course, and most most of them sort of kicked off and started because everyone used to buy their queens in here. Nobody sort of wanted to sort of have a go and take the risk of doing it. But then it just needed that starting off, someone to start you off. And then once you got going, you thought, oh, you know, it's it's easy. And then you pick up all these little traits where you can sort of improve all the time on it. So uh, that's how we sort of went on with that. Oh, fantastic. Um, Now, there's something I want to ask about Tasmanian beekeeping. Um, every time I see pictures of hives in Tasmania, and I have been there a few times and I've seen them personally, it's always ideals. Um, and I've asked a few of my friends in Tasmania and their answer is just, that's the way we do it in Tassie. Um, what's your opinion about that? Uh, we run all ideals. Uh, there's, there's some, some beekeepers, uh, they like, they like the full depth boxes and, uh, uh, another thing too, like one of the, one we got here that likes the full depth boxes, but he sells the full depth boxes. That's his business, so it's his, you know, it's his advantage to probably sell full depth. But a lot of them, the idea we we've always used ideals because and another friend of mine, you know, he's always used, and we're teaching through ideals too. Uh, because you can move the frames anywhere in the hive. You can move the frames, and they'll fit any box. You can, if you, because we're we're under a real short span of honey. Honey, we only got about three months to get your hive strong and, and go to the leatherwood. So when you go to the leatherwood, you need a maximum strength in your hive. You know, a lot of bees to get a good to get a crop of honey. So. What what we do with the ideals, you can move you can move your brood, say two or three frames of brood up in your hive, or more more than that, and then and then you can put frames down into the brood. Within two or three two or three days, that frame you put down, they'll be full of eggs, and it pushes the queen to lay. She'll be flat out laying all the time, and by the time you move your bees. After Christmas in January, we go to the Leatherwood. You, you can have a massive, massive hive uh, full of, you know, full of worker bees. So you, you've got to do that to get a good, a good crop of honey. Mm. Yeah. I'll just, um, I'll just tell a little story here, Laurie. Um, for those yep. people who don't know, uh, in Tasmania, in Australia, there's the Leatherwood, and uh, in January every year, um, there's a big rush to get hives in there, and it's the, it's a famous crop, isn't it? It's a, it's a fantastic honey. It's award-winning, and um, it's a mad rush to get all the hives in there on time. And there's some fantastic videos about it online, where they're even taking them in by helicopter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's right. Yeah, it, 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 it's because no matter how much leatherwood you get, you know, you, you 
you can you can sell it somewhere and you can put it on the market and someone would take a lot of it just to get get it because a lot of our a lot of our honey was taken taken what we didn't sell here we would sell to beekeepers on the mainland because they wanted leatherwood which Tasmania is the only place you can get leatherwood honey in the world and then even in Tasmania it's only grows on the on the west coast it grows from the south to the north on the west coast it doesn't grow in on the east or the midlands or anywhere so there's only it's 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 in rainforests it's an understory grows under the gum trees and all this sort of stuff and uh, and it relies on rainfall like last year there was the the west coast was so dry we've virtually got no leatherwood whatsoever it just dried up and the flowers dried up and just blew off so it was the worst year i've ever seen Mm. Um, no, it's a very interesting story, that with the Leatherwood. Um, one more question regarding the ideals there, Laurie. Um, does it make it yep. difficult to find the queen? with? Um, uh, because how many ideals do you normally use as your brood chamber? Do you, uh, we do you use, use excluders? Four. No, we don't, no. Okay. We, use, we, use, we use four. Uh, we don't we don't have much trouble finding. We mark we mark our queens. So each year there are different colours for the th- for three years. The three different colours we use. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what colour you use, as long as you use. They have got a code, but we just because the code is five colours, but we use because we rechange our queens around, so we just use three colours, mm-hmm. and it's uh, they stand out so so you know so well. And if and, and if once you know, you know you're looking for the queen. You, you go for the brood area, you, you know, if you've got a super full of honey on the top, it's quite obvious the queen's not going to be up in up in the honey very seldom. So you, you sort of go for where the brood is, and then when you get to the brood, you look for where the queen, where she's got a pattern of eggs that she's laying, so she'll be in that area where where you'll find eggs. So being being Going through your hive steady, gentle, and don't bump your box so you you don't disturb the queen. And some of them will run a bit, move a bit. But if you're nice and gentle, go through frame by frame, put them aside, and you and you, you've very, very little trouble in finding them. There there is other ways too. You can go. You can go. You can uh, some of them some of them use a queen excluder. They'll just put a queen excluder. In the middle, and then leave it for a few days, and then they'll know which which half she's in because the, where the eggs are, where she's laying. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of little, lot of little tricks you, uh, you know, you come across when you're working bees, you know, to make things a bit easier for you. Mm-hmm. Mm. No worries. Well, thanks a lot uh, for um, doing the podcast here, Laurie. Um, is there anything else you want to mention before we uh, we say goodbye today? Uh, not not really. Only uh, I suppose you haven't heard any more update on the varroa mite in New South Wales yet. Oh, I've been watching it really closely. Um, I think it's all up in the air at this stage, isn't it? Yeah, because yeah, because I now that you know in that area too, they've got all these floods. They're really making it hard for them. Mm. Yeah, it's yeah. um. I think um, at least being in Tasmania, you might be sheltered from it for a few more years than we are. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. 
Yeah, they'll be doing a lot of checking, or they are already down there now, but everyone's checking eyes around the place now, making sure that, you know, everything's everything's on board because we last year we haven't, but there's been a few uh, queens brought in from New South Wales, and they'll be checking all those eyes. That's so... That's, that's about it, yeah. Yeah, well, hopefully we uh, get it under control, but if we don't, um, it'll be a bit of a shame. It'll make it hard. You won't be able to get your um, queens from Joe Horner anymore for a while. Well, that'll be a bit of a no. shame. But, um, no. but But the good news is you're, you're a bit more protected in Tassie. So Tassie and WA, probably a bit of a buffer there. Yeah. Um, so, but let's hope that it just, uh, they, can, they can knock it back and we're all good. Yeah, I hope so, yeah. No worries. All right, All right thanks, All right, Laurie. Um, have a great day. Sorry again for calling you when you had COVID. <laughs> that was a bit, bit nasty. <laughs> no, you're right. And, uh, bit... No yep. worries. All right, thanks, mate. All right, mate. See Catch ya. up with you. Bye. Okay, well, I hope you enjoyed that episode with Laurie Cowan. What a fantastic guy he is. Now that we're coming into spring, you might have some luck getting um, some queens from him. I know he said he's getting out of it, but... As we talked about, if you ask him really nicely, you might have a shot. He's down there in Cambridge in Hobart for those people who are down that way. Um, hope you enjoyed that episode. If you want to get in touch with me, you can at nixonbees.com.au. And until next time, thanks so much for tuning in.